Hi, thanks for tuning in today. My name is Matt Scott, and at the start of 2017, I launched a little project by the name of 108 Degrees of Impact. I, probably like you, was tired of the anger I saw everywhere I looked. Politics, news, social media. I wanted people to take action, to be the change they want to see in the world, rather than sitting on the sidelines. This podcast features the stories of the innovators and impact players I've met along my own journey to befriend and celebrate 180 people changing our world for the better. This week's episode features my very special in-person 180 Degrees of Impact chat with Ashete Yoma of the U.S. Agency for International Development in Ethiopia. And Ashete was born in Ethiopia, has spent his career in Ethiopia, and is doing phenomenal work, especially when it comes to health of women and children in Ethiopia, and educating them about the resources they have available to them and smart choices when it comes to taking care of their health and wellness. This conversation was so special to me because it happened only about five hours after I landed in Ethiopia, and it came right before my presentation at the U.S. Embassy all about storytelling and communications. It was also special because while I spent about two weeks in Ethiopia, this was my first conversation with someone born and raised in the area to inform me about the issues that mattered most to him and how the U.S. government, and in particular the U.S. aid program, could play a role in providing a solution in an area where there historically have been a number of challenges when it comes to health, wellness, and poverty. To watch this video and others, or to subscribe to the email list, or to do a bunch of other things, just visit www.letstockcare. Now, it's time for us to hear from Ashete. Take a listen. Hello everyone, and welcome to 180 Degrees of Impact. I am Matt Scott, and today I have a special guest. Will you introduce yourself? Thank you, Matt. Uh, my name is Shete Yilma. Currently, I'm Special Advisor to HBN Health Office Chief at awesome. USAID Ethiopia. Awesome. So right now, obviously, we are in Ethiopia, and I'm curious to, to learn more about your work, Shete, and about why you do your work. You've been doing it for a while, as you mentioned to me. And so, first and foremost, could you tell me about what is the work that you that you do? I was a health system strengthening team leader at USAID Ethiopia for quite some time. When we say health system strengthening, what we are talking about comprises of two of six major areas, elements. Oh, wow. Financing, which includes insurance, health insurance, governance of health systems, management, the supply system, which includes forecasting of commodities need, uh, procurement of the committees, and the distribution of those commodities which you have procured, and managing those commodities at the health facility level. The oh. supply system, this is what we call the health commodity supply system, mm -hmm. this is one element, and the other piece which is extremely important to deliver health, health services is the human resources. We are very much, USAID is heavily engaged on uh, training of pre uh, health professionals, mainly frontline health workers mm -hmm. at the co who are uh, the champion at the community level mm -hmm. and the health center levels and also medical uh, practitioners. Mm -hmm. And therefore I think in, and then also there is another element which is extremely important that is making available 
and uh, creating a culture of decision making based on information, health information system, which has got different elements also. This is what we do. I'm, I was responsible for this thing for quite some time in Ethiopia. Mm -hmm. We are very much happy with we have what we have achieved in Ethiopia. It is creating a resilient system, mm -hmm. local system. I'm curious and, to learn more about that actually, about yeah, what kind of, what? because I'm not a health expert at all, but I'm curious to learn what are the uh, areas of health that you are addressing and you also mentioned championing at the community level. Yeah, the, you know, then I think, you know, what I mentioned to you is the work I am doing uh, or the way the activities are managing. But it is not what USAID is doing in Ethiopia is not limited to that. Right. It includes, as you know, you are familiar with HIVS program, yes. PEPAR. Yeah. yeah. Okay, this is one thing. And you are familiar with also malaria program, PMI we call it, mm -hmm. President Malaria Initiative. Mm -hmm. And Ethiopia is one of the uh, focus country. And then we have got a lot of activity. We have got TV programs. And then we have at the community level also we do, at the health facility level, we do a lot of maternal child health activities mm -hmm. to reduce maternal and child deaths in Ethiopia. Mm -hmm. We are supporting the government initiatives and we are party to the government programs and we are the major donor in Ethiopia mm -hmm. for that matter in the health sector, I can say. And therefore, when we come to the community level, we maybe you are familiar with uh, frontline health workers in Ethiopia, what they call it, you know, health extension workers. These are female cadres. We have got now, when I say we, I'm including the government of Ethiopia mm -hmm. also as a, a key partner uh, uh, who is at the driver's seat. And the health extension workers are the community-based frontline health workers. They are, they are now about 40,000 community-based health uh, workers mobilizing the community oh, wow. to institute behavioral changes in the community. Mm -hmm. they, are, they are excellent. I think Ethiopia has done excellent work in that area. It's very much known globally wow. what Ethiopia has achieved. It, they promote, for example, family planning activities. They, they, they promote uh, healthy behaviors at the community level, hygiene, lateral construction, uh, immunization, mm -hmm. and all, all these key, key interventions. Yeah. We are the, 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 the key ally to the government in Ethiopia to work on that area, mm -hmm. I can say. I think that's that's really interesting to hear the behavioral change piece because like where I work at Second Muse, we do, uh, we do some work, especially in the food and nutrition space, focused on behavioral change and that's happening in uh, Tonga and Fiji and then there's also you know, other work that's focused on behavioral change. And I know that's tough. Yeah. And I'm really interested to learn more about that. But I want to know from you, like, why is this work so important to you? Because, you know, the community engagement, ensuring the, the, the communities are engaged and also producing their own health is the most important thing, really. And then, and unless they are, if they become passive elements, mm. And if it is just top-down activity, it doesn't work that way. The co engagement of the community is key, and you have to have a cadre at the community level to mobilize the community to that end. Mm -hmm. What it means, particularly what makes Ethiopia successful through the health extension program, is that while they are based at the community level, 
while they are community animators, while uh, they are community promoters, they are also on the payroll of the government. They are salaried, they are right. paid. And then I think, and many of all of them, I can say, almost 99% of them are female, young ladies, mm -hmm. who knows the health <laughs> need of the community, right. the household. And they move in house to house. Yeah. And then, then that's how it works. It has worked very well. It is a very good model for Africa, I can say. Mm -hmm. Just thinking also back to the, uh, the work that they actually do to create change or to, to create that behavioral change, what is it that they're doing? Because I know that's really difficult to get people to change their behavior. Like it's one thing to tell them what to do, but it's another to actually have them do the work. They, so have, do do they have got a lot of communication tools. They have got tools how to communicate the community. But the good thing is that they have got, they are posted at the health facility, which is not a proper health facility, the mm -hmm. one which you know, it is not clinic or something, but a small two room, small rooms, a house or made by the, constructed by the community, mm -hmm. and that's what you call health post. Mm -hmm. They are posted there. And then they are not staying the whole week there. They have got schedule where they go to house to house. And they have got a schedule also for the community conversation. They engage the community and they are supported also with uh, anim animators at the community who, who support them, a group of uh, mm. uh, female uh, mothers who mm. support them also to be engaged. Mm. They have different models to reach the community. To the community. It, mm. it is really a fantastic way of doing business. But what are some of the challenges of like of that work I mean you mentioned yeah. like the more limited facilities but what are some of those biggest challenges that, that you've encountered in your time doing the work now what the, the, the uh, no when we for example you when you look at me when you ask me this question you think that I'm a medical doctor I am not medical <laughs> doctor. I am a system person right I'm economist by my yeah. background then, in that context, you know, what you have to understand is always, when you talk about health, health delivery, people think of getting some kind of medicine. Yeah. These cadres, these female health workers are focusing on behavioral change. Mm -hmm. Therefore, they don't distribute or give or make injections at the community level. Right. And that's what the householders, individuals, expect from them. They are limited, limited training and they do only limited uh, provision of uh, drugs to the injection to the community. Mm -hmm. Otherwise they know. This was a challenge. Why are you not curing my son? Why are you not giving me yeah. this? This was a challenge. Mm -hmm. You see? Because they are, their activity is very much dominated and it's a primary health care, mm -hmm. behavioral change, basic services, creating awareness mobilizing them, referring them to the health centers, mm -hmm. referring them and, and promoting healthy manner, early health seeking behavior at the community level. Mm -hmm. And go from to house to house and see who is sick and they refer them to the health center. This is what they do and that's how it is uh, structured. Mm -hmm. yeah, thinking about that, because that sounds really difficult that people are expecting, often are expecting one thing, like to these, um, I would say more more immediate health outcomes rather than like something that's going to have a longer impact. And before I ask about that impact to Shaytay, I want to tell you, the 108 Degrees of Impact podcast listeners, all about Kiva. 
Kiva recognizes that dreams are universal, but opportunity is not. And that's why they give each and every one of us a way to create opportunity for others who usually don't have it. 3 million borrowers, 1.7 million lenders, and 1.15 billion in loans funded through Kiva. That's a lot. And the best part is that there's 96.9% repayment rate, which means that when you give a microloan to someone in one of about 85 countries worldwide, that loan will be repaid. And also of knowing that you are making an impact by supporting someone's dream. There are more than 2,000 loans that you could potentially support. So if this resonates with you, go check out Kiva and find an opportunity to support someone's dream. Kiva doesn't sponsor this podcast, it's just an organization I've loved for about the past decade when I first heard the CEO, Pramal Shah, talking about Kiva. Now I'm excited to share it with you because, as you know, I love to share the things I love with all of you. Now, back to my conversation with the Shaytani. Um, and I'm really interested in knowing what is the impact that, that you know, it, not just you, but those that you've worked with in the community have if had. If you see, I think, you know, I'll, uh, I will encourage you yeah. to see some success, success stories documented out there. Right. Mothers speaking, what they benefit from this. Because it's not so easy for them at the beginning to understand. But through time, when they found us, because, for example, breastfeeding is the most powerful thing yeah. in the community. Mm -hmm. and, and then uh, the... Uh, healthy, hygienic life, latrine construction, how that has improved, how that has uh, reduced the morbidity at the house level. They have seen them, the changes. They are their sanitation level has improved significantly. Mm -hmm. They can see and they tell you the story. And then they have realized now, currently particularly after seven, eight years, you can, they have seen the impact, the changes. And yeah. they, 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 they got it, they got it. And that's that's how it works. So one thing I really want to know now, just as a like as a communications and marketing and storytelling person, is how are you um, documenting or communicating those stories, or how do you get those stories from from those mothers? We have got a lot of the through our uh, implanting partners. We have got success story documented in many various modalities, in different modalities. Mm -hmm. They are there out there, posted. It's a public document. You can see that. Yeah. And then also just as a follow-up to that, talking about the impact, what is the impact that you ultimately want to see? You know, what, 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 the, so what? That's the, the question you are asking. So what? Yeah. Why are we doing all this investment? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It is because we want to reduce maternal deaths in the country yeah. and child deaths, in infant, infant deaths in the country, mm -hmm. reduce mor morbidity, control diseases, the outbreak of diseases, and that's what we're doing. We have seen significant change. I refer you to go and see what Ethiopia has achieved, to, what, to which USAID's party, DHS, Demographic and Health, Demographic Health Survey, is a golden standard which mm -hmm. documents the changes, the impact of all these interventions mm -hmm. in the country. There is significant improvement in the reduction of deaths in Ethiopia in the health sector, I can say. And the disease is very much under control. You can see a lot of improvement in that area. Hmm. 
I don't know. I'm really interested because there's a lot that I have to learn and learn more about, and I'll learn more about that today a little bit. But uh, I think one thing I want to know from your perspective is looking at, especially if you're speaking to people who are doing similar work, from your perspective, what piece of advice do you have for them? Yeah, but one thing, you know, the, 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 the good thing is that uh, I think priority setting mm -hmm. and influencing policies in resource allocation and picking the key intervention with high impact is the most important thing. And then I think also when we talk about uh, USAID, USAID is a champion of working at the community. We have got that, that uh, comparative advantage of being flexible to work at the community level. Mm -hmm. We have to build on that, while at the same time also focusing on the system. System thinking, systems, the elements I mentioned to you, financing, domestic resource mobilization, health insurance, creating resilient system is a focus we have to consider mm -hmm. as a key. So that countries like Ethiopia should not always depend on foreign aid. No, foreign aid. The only way you can do that is when you engage in domestic resource mobilization mm -hmm. and also build systems that is resilience. That is what I my piece of advice for the health officers. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, just thinking about your work as we get to the end of the interview, and my final question, or one of my final questions for you, I guess, um, thinking about your career and all that you've done, if it were all documented as a book or documentary, I'm curious, what would the title potentially be and why would that be the title? Yeah, well, as you know, this is a very short interview and then I think we have done fantastic work in Ethiopia, I can say. We have made the best out of the taxpayers' money and we have got successful programs in Ethiopia, I can say. Mm -hmm. But of all the work on which I'm engaged, the one which is very much dear to my heart is the healthcare financing reform, which is, the core of which is domestic resource mobilization at the lower level at the health center level, at the hospital level, that ensures the availability operational operational budget at the facility, mm -hmm. so that they are able to make decision on those on that on the resources they generate at the facility level, and to procure supplies, essential drugs at that level, so that there will be a quality of services. Mm -hmm. This is a supply side improving the quality of services at the health center and at the hospital level. On the other hand, this is a supply side piece, but on the other, on the other hand, the community piece is the also very interesting, which is mobilizing the community to enroll on community-based health insurance. This is to reduce out-of-pocket expenditure mm -hmm. of households, which is very high in many, many African countries. This is protection mechanism. This is including the, the poor to have access to medical services. And we have done excellent work in, in this area, uh, being partner to the government. I think we have covered, reached something like 16 million Ethiopian people through that initiative. Mm -hmm. Therefore, therefore, I think this is activity which is very much 
dear to my heart. I can mm -hmm. say that. I can say that a champion of his financing reform in Ethiopia is a title I prefer. <laughs> how's that? How's that? I love how's that, that title. That's that, a great, that, great that title. <laughs> I was going that, to ask, like, so, so what's, the, what's the title? Where can I find it? But hopefully you actually write that book. That would be really exciting. And just uh, as thinking of final thoughts, I'm going to adjust this a little bit more as we wrap up. But just thinking of final thoughts, like, do you have any other final words or anything that you would want to share as part of this interview? Yeah, you know, the, the, working with, uh, with uh, USAID, the, 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 the USAID is, just in terms of staffing, invest in two types of employment, mm -hmm. foreign service and uh, the local staff. This is the, the combination. Mm -hmm. And then it implies a lot of cultural, intercultural work. Right. That is, that is the beauty of it, and there is also challenge there, and then how that works is uh, uh, it's a question of intercultural, intercultural competency. We call it yeah. that works very. That's very important uh, uh, element. And then in so doing also, do we? I am a local staff, a senior local staff, uh, working with the foreign service. Mm -hmm. The foreign services come here and stay here for two years or three years. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then, but development is not a two year or three year or four years. Right. right. It needs more longer time. Mm -hmm. That's where you can see the importance of local staff. Mm -hmm. They are institutional memory. <laughs> they keep the continuity, they ensure the continuity of the program. And mm -hmm. that is very important thing, arrangement to, for us to understand. And yeah. the local staffs bring very important contribution to the whole program of USAID is doing. And that's why, I mean, that's why I'm very thankful for you. I'm sure that USAID is very thankful for you and for for all the other people who are doing the work in, in throughout Ethiopia and well beyond. But I'm curious, just to wrap it up, if is there anywhere you think any resources people should look at to learn more about your work? Yes, we have got. I think you know the the website. USAID has got website. Mm -hmm. It is. A public document you can see a lot of good work not only limited to Ethiopia but across the world we have got a website USAID has got a website you can explore that I encourage people to look and see the good things we are doing in many countries mm -hmm. yeah, I that. thank you and if people thank want you, to Matthew. learn more about thank you so 180 much. degrees of thank impact you. I encourage them to check out it's yeah. the website is www.lets.care um, and yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you so much, for, you so much for this time. Thank but you. as one thing I say as I wrap up all of the interviews is keep impacting. Thanks everyone for tuning in to the 108 Degrees of Impact podcast. The music you're hearing is the song Bleem Shroom Forest by 108 Degree of Impact interviewee and inclusive soundtrack composer Jade Liam Tarascal, aka JD Wasabi. For more of her work, which is epic, visit wasabi-playground.com. For a video version of today's interview and more like it, visit www.letscare and at letscare. You can also join our email list to receive the latest 180 Degree of Impact interviews when they're posted. 
Also, follow along on social media at Let's You Care. And last but not least, I wouldn't be a true podcaster if I didn't ask you to please rate, review, and subscribe. Those five stars go a long way to helping others find the 180 Degrees of Impact podcast. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep impacting.